Hello there, this is Lisa Borders, and on this podcast, I'll connect with people from all walks of life. We'll talk about overcoming adversity, transmuting the shadow, and moments of illumination. We'll explore what it means to fulfill our potential while maintaining our most authentic selves. And we'll reflect on the lessons we're learning all along the way. If you feel inspired by what you hear, subscribe wherever you're listening, leave a five-star review, share it with a friend, and join the community at lisaborders.us. Thank you for joining me, and this is Enlightened. Welcome, everybody. This is Lisa, and I have the privilege of talking with my friend Lizzie Jeff today. So great to see you, girl. You looking fabulous as always. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm just reflecting. You know how it is. Oh, you are too kind. You are too kind. It's great to have you on the pod. Where are you these days, Lizzie Jeff? These days, I'm in Atlanta. I'm loving it. You know what? Actually, just uh, a couple of days ago, I went to Miami for about a day and a half just to go and be on the beach and recharge and get some of that sun energy. And it was a powerful experience. And I came back just fully recharged and ready to host my mom for a week. So I'm in Atlanta loving it. She's loving it. It's definitely a vibe. We love having you in the A, but you are everywhere. You're in Los (laughs) Angeles. You're like all all over the place. And Mm -hmm. I want to talk about everything from your music to your cannabis Medicine woman vibe to your bud tender vibe. I want to talk about all of it. Let's just start. You know a few things about a few things. Girl, and the time (laughs) we got to spend together here in Atlanta for a minute, hanging out in the kitchen, talking. That's what we're going to do today, too. I love love this opportunity. Let's start talking about you and how you became Lizzie Jeff. Everybody looks at you today and we see like the queen of femininity, the queen of calm. She's like all that. How did that happen? People think you turned on a light switch and it happened. We all know that ain't true. Like break uh, it down <laughs> for us. Break it down. The queen of femininity and the queen of calm. That's powerful. That's really powerful. It definitely wasn't an overnight process, but I remember because I have brothers. And so growing up, I was always one of the only girls playing sports. And then on top of that, I was always one, I was smaller than everybody else. I was always thin. You feel me? And so people always would, you know how we are as kids, we tease each other. So I was always teased for being skinny bone Jones and all these things. And a lot of that put me more in my masculine energy, where I dressed like a tomboy, always playing sports, football, basketball, ran track. And so that's kind of how I grew up, always like captain of the basketball team, just always in in my masculine bag. Even though I was a girl and I wore dresses and here and there, but for the most part, you'd see me in basketball shorts and Nikes. And so I remember when I got to college, I was still in that energy. I was wearing my basketball shorts, but I might wear a cute little top or something. And there was a time where I started wearing a little bit of blush or something on my cheeks. I would get my makeup done for prom or for the Alpha Cabaret or 
whenever the Deltas would do something on campus, like I would get my makeup done and I would get pretty. But I remember there was a, a point where I started wearing a little blush and <clears throat> I'm like, oh, I like this. And then I might have, I started, I didn't really wear lipstick. Like you wouldn't have never seen me in red lipstick. Stop so, that. Stop that. Cause that, that's one of the trademarks now. I love right, the it lipstick. Is, it, is, it is. And I love it. And I was working for Victoria's Secret right out of high school. So my tenure with Victoria's Secret was a total of 12 years wow. um, combined. That was a powerful journey for me because I started when I was 17 working there and working in this industry where I was constantly supporting women step into their confidence. People hear Victoria's Secret and they think, ooh, bras and panties, which it is. And I had the opportunity to work in some of the most beautiful, gorgeous flagship stores in the country. And so for me, part of my job was working with women privately in the fitting rooms because women would come in and would say, oh, I just lost 30 pounds. Oh, I just had a baby. Oh, I just got divorced. Oh, I just got in a relationship with my crush after however many. So there was always different stories of why women wanted to come in and feel sexy and get something. And being in these fitting rooms, oftentimes I was the only other person outside of their partner, if they had one that made them, um, that saw them naked. And there was a lot of tears and healing in these fitting rooms where some women would maybe got a c-section and the scar never healed some women had augmentation and maybe their breasts were spaced too far apart or one was a little bit fuller or maybe had to remove both breasts and so we carry so much hurt and trauma in our breasts and in our wombs and seeing this consistently for years and years having the opportunity to speak life into these women, to hold them, to cry with them, to help them find a sexy red lace bra to completely shift their energy and their confidence levels. And I love that. And in doing that simultaneously, I was doing that for myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember after college, I was promoted to a high level management position in Las Vegas. And working in Las Vegas, I wore my hair like this. I had these double D breasts, girl. <laughs> I, you know, I was Love teased it. so much for being um, skinny and having no breasts. They would say, roses are red, violets are black. Why is your chest as flat as my back? That was a song they would sing to me every day. And it's just so funny. In my 20s, I gained a little weight and I developed these very full, beautiful breasts and I was wearing my red lipstick and I was really getting into that because I saw how inspired women were by me and being that inspiration for them in the fitting rooms. And so I bring up the Victoria's Secret experience because that really was a huge part of my journey of really stepping into my femininity and embracing it more just because I saw how much society impacted women's beliefs about themselves. We carry so much. You got to be perfect. You got to have hips. You got to be skinny. You got to be this. You got to have your hair like this and all these different things. I was seeing how much women were carrying and how much myself I was carrying. So for me, it was a journey of self-love, of deep self-love. And so that's when, you know, it was beyond just being pretty and wearing a pop of red lip. 
it was about doing the work because I realized a lot of why I was such a tomboy growing up was, yes, I was very athletic and into sports and I had, I grew up with my brothers, but I realized some of it was me hiding my femininity, wearing baggy clothes and wearing baggy sweatpants and hanging out with the guys and being cool with the guys and being that athlete. Some of it was because it was a matter of just wanting to hide that feminine energy. And I realized, oh, no, uh uh-uh, that's not what it's about. It's about me tapping in. It's about being sexy, feeling confident, walking into a space and shifting the energy in that space and realizing that Victoria's Secret unlocked a level of sensual awareness within me and understanding that my sensuality was really the core, was really the portal for my creativity. And so from there, I set out on a personal mission to dive deeper into my own self-love and to really embrace that femininity and unlock some of the things that I had been hiding. And so that's the journey that I've been on. I'm still on that journey. And so many women are like, oh, I took my first boudoir photo shoot because of you. I got some lingerie. Look at me in this picture. You inspired me. And it's beautiful because we're all at different levels in our womanhood and how we're evolving. And I realized the power of womanhood. And instead of running away from it, I embraced it. I love being a woman. I love becoming a woman. There's so many powerful women around me older women, my mom, auntie, my grandmother, just different women around me that inspired me who expressed various expressions of womanhood. And I wanted to tune into that. So that is what kind of sparked that deeper yearning for being a woman and being feminine and being in that energy and embracing it and taking back my power without it being for the pleasure of a man. It was more so for the power of me. And fascinating. So I knew (laughs) you had worked at Victoria's Secret, Mm -hmm. but I had no idea that door allowed you to walk and Mm -hmm. obtain, attain your sexual and sensual awareness. That is, Mm -hmm. I would never have imagined that the experiences that you had shaped this personal mission. So Mm Kudos to you for helping all those women who had been through traumatic experiences and your recognition at such a young age Mm -hmm. uh, that there were opportunities there to support Mm -hmm. other women, which is simply fabulous. And you continue to do that today. Mm -hmm. So hats off to you there. (laughs) Absolutely. The whole notion of self-healing and self-awareness. You were so young. Did you Mm -hmm. read books or were you talking to people or what gave you the mindset shift? Obviously you were with women every day and Uh helping them. How did you personally determine that this is an opportunity to step into your power? Like, how'd you realize it was your power? And then you could step mm. into it to move from playing sports. And I love sports. So we don't <laughs> throw any shade. But that's one dimension of your life. How did you even know the power was there and then have the courage to step into it? Wow, that's a great question. That is a great question. How did I know the power was there? 
And it's something because people from high school or college that saw me play basketball and they see me now and I'm still the same person, but they're just like, oh my God, it's just a complete, a complete transformation. And I love it because that's what life is all about. And as far as acknowledging and understanding the power, I got glimpses of it, pieces of it working in Victoria's Secret. And then there was a moment where I had lost my grandmother and, and I decided, because honestly, I thought, because as my grandmother, she experienced a stroke. And when I was young and part of me in my mind was like, I'm going to get so rich and I'm going to get her the best medical care and she's going to be great. And honestly, it never happened. And that really broke my heart. And so once, once I lost my grandmother and she passed on Valentine's Day and she was the love of my life. And and Valentine's Day is really special for me. And I bring that up to say is I remember when I would get teased so much and I would come home. It never made me cry or sad or depressed, but I would tell her what people would say. And she would always tell me, she would say, she wouldn't necessarily say F them, but she would say, look, people are reflecting. She would say people are projecting their own feelings. She would tell me that at a young age and she would say that's just a reflection of how they feel about themselves. And she would constantly tell me these things and she would constantly speak life into me and tell me I'm beautiful and tell me all these things. But I remember the one thing that she really ingrained in me was the power of my tongue, the power of my words and speaking those things into existence. And so I remember whenever I would be met with this resistance, I would always say, one day I'm going to be so fly. I'm going to be so beautiful. I'm going to have these big, beautiful breasts. I'm going to be the dopest person in the room. I would always say these things and speak these things. And then fast forwarding to Victoria's Secret, around the time when I lost my grandmother, that's when I decided to leave the company. That's when I decided to embark upon my own journey. I had no clue which direction I was going. I just knew that if I could be this successful working for this company and be a top performing um, manager in this company, I could be a top performing manager for myself. And so the journey of figuring that out, it was rocky because there was, I cashed out on my 401k. I took advantage of everything that comes with being full-time in a company. And then I finally left. And I will tell you that first six months to a year, it was hard. It was very hard. And there were some times where I slept in my car. There were some times where I would go back to Vegas just to work. And and I had a part-time job at this cute little club. So sometimes I would go back to Vegas and do some promo and stuff like that, make a little money, come back to LA while I was figuring it out. I was staying with my friends on couches. It was my own journey that I had. But along that journey, I was able to connect with some powerful women in my life And I realized at every place, even though those women were helping me and supporting me, they felt so inspired. Like I would always get a message or a text like, Lizzie, having you here was incredible. Thank you for speaking life into me and thank you for doing this and that. And so I loved being able to do that for so many people, but it was still, I was trying to figure out where I belonged. I was trying to figure out how I wanted to show up in the world. Did I want to do music? Did I want to do um, acting? What was it? Where do I, how do I show up? And at some point 
I stumbled into understanding like divine feminine energy somewhere along my spiritual journey because I was in a place where it felt really dark. And I was like, okay, I don't like it here. So what do I need to do? So I was able to write on a, on a postcard, I am wealthy. I get paid lots of money to be me. I have a beautiful living experience. And so I would say these things to myself every day. And my grandmother told me about the power of words and I understood it, but it wasn't until I actually put it into daily practice and I started seeing my life transformed. And somehow I ended up working as a bud tender in cannabis industry. And you know what? I believe that it was my relationship with the cannabis plant that unlocked that sensual vortex for me. Because also there was a period where for 10 years I was celibate. And so even working at Victoria's Secret that whole time, I was celibate. I, I, I wasn't in, I may have had relationships here and there, or I would date, but nothing really. And so when I embarked upon my spiritual journey, I started shifting my belief system about certain things and what I believed in. I had to elevate my mindset and then I got to a point where I was like, why am I still celibate? Because that had a lot to do with my religious upbringing. And so when I started questioning why I was still celibate, it did, I was like, okay, this no longer applies to me. And so it was from there where I was like, who am I? What do I want? What do I desire? I had to get in my body. I had to get comfortable because being in my masculine athletic basketball energy was easy, but dancing being girly, I had to really get into it, moving my hips. And so in that journey with cannabis and allowing the cannabis to unlock and allow me to ask deeper questions is when I was able to understand, oh, my creativity stems directly from my sensuality. So when I put emphasis on my womb space, when I love up on my breasts, that's when I feel my most empowered. And I said, whoa, okay, this is the type of information that I want to share with women. I want to share this with men as well, because I realize in society, we're told if you have sexual desires, or if you wear your shirt a certain way, or if your shirt is see-through, you're a slut, you're this, you're that. And I'm like, none of those titles subscribe to me, but I still feel sexy. I feel empowered. And so that's when my journey started for me to dive deeper into my sensuality, questioning, okay, no longer celibate. That doesn't mean I'm about to just be out here, but it, it, it means I want to know myself deeper. I want to know what I like, what I want, who am I? Like, I want to get in my body. And so cannabis helped me get out of my mind, get away from how society ingrained all these negative beliefs about myself. And it allowed me to really evolve and expand and get into that because also cannabis is a woman, is a feminine energy. If she doesn't birth the cannabis plant, we can't even experience it. And when you think about mainstream cannabis culture, it's always from the male perspective. When you ask people about who are powerful icons, when you think about cannabis, people most often say Snoop Dogg, Bob Marley, Wiz Khalifa, Willie Nelson, all these men. And shout out to all those iconic men but I'm like, this is a feminine plant. And so from there, activating my journey with cannabis even deeper allowed me 
to get deeper into the power of my sensuality. And from there, I was like, holy snap, this is what I need to be talking about in my music. This is the type of energy that I want to share with women that it's okay to embrace your sensuality. If you want to wear this sexy green silk robe to the market and shop for organic produce, do it, girl. You look good. If you want to put on that pop of red, you feel me? Do it. You look good. And so that's (laughs) kind of like how I tapped into that energy. Listen, I love that. Back to grandmother for just a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> it seems to always start with our families and the examples that we see of strength and of value. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the point you made about your grandmother telling you the power of words and mm-hmm. learning that at such a young age mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. was so impactful mm-hmm. in your life. And the courage to question why do I think this? Why do I believe this? Why am I doing things a certain way? Did that courage come from your grandmother? You went into the cannabis thing, which in the black community, let's just be clear, like Snoop Dogg and all the other people that you named, we always were like, and I love Snoop Dogg. He's a friend, but I remember Uh not knowing him, just watching from afar and all the people in the church, for example, going, what is that boy doing? He's doing drugs. He's going to fry his brain. So (laughs) grandmother also give you the courage to question all those things that allowed you to embrace your feminine energy and try cannabis and recognize that was a portal to your creativity. Where'd that courage come from? Oh, wow. That's a great question. The courage, right? Because I had to muster up some courage. (laughs) You know what? You went through a whole lot, but you (laughs) persevered. So it had to come from somewhere. Now I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to say, Yes, she was definitely a very large part because she had a lot to do with my foundation. She really helped me. She really set me up and solidified the foundation for me. And there were a lot of things that I wanted to do as a kid. And she always encouraged me to do it and to to go for it. And when I think about some of the other women in my life and some of the other men in my life who I looked up to, especially my mom, because my mom, she personifies courage. She personifies resilience. And I've seen her overcome and triumph through so many powerful things to get to a place of just pure greatness is mind blowing. And seeing her and watching her move And also just some of the experiences that I had as a kid, I didn't have any other choice but to be courageous because I had to be. And so that was instilled in me since a young age. But it's like when I learn something new, especially if it has anything to do with my personal development and evolution, I'm going to go all the way in. And yes, cannabis, definitely there's a stigma in the Black community. Absolutely. I remember I went to a family reunion a couple years ago and my cousin, one of my cousins who's my age, she came up to me and she was like, look, I know you got your cannabis thing, but there are some people here who don't rock with it. It was like some other aunties and stuff. And I walked in there, I had my um, earring, it had a cannabis leaf on it and I had this cute little hat. It was a green hat with a cute little cannabis leaf on it. And she was like, I know you, this is your life, but there's some family that don't rock with it. And as soon as I got there, I could feel, cause one of the family members was a nurse and she's mm-hmm. been a nurse for ever. 
So in her mind, she's a real medicine woman. You know what I'm saying? And so I felt the resistance even from my own family. And the thing is like, at the end of the day, I know that the work that I'm doing is radical. My, t- my professors in college at an HBCU call me radical, black professors, you know what I'm saying? And so I've always been that person that wants to shake stuff up and make some noise and kick doors in. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Even when I worked at the dispensary, there were some things about working there that I didn't necessarily agree with. So I would have team meetings with all of the other women that work there so that we can set our list of initiatives and standards so that we could take it to management. So I've always been like that. But I did realize specifically with cannabis that there was some resistance because also, Lisa, like I'm from LA. I'm from the South Central LA. And I grew up there in the 80s, in the 90s. I was born in 86 early nineties. That was like the height of the crack epidemic. That was the height of the war on drugs. And you remember the devastation that it left on the community. At times they were handcuffing 12, 13, 14 men in a row, putting them in buses, taking them to jail. Some men were getting 10, 20 years for a gram of cannabis. These families, they wiped out an entire generation They weaponized this plant medicine and wiped out an entire generation of parents from the household and then turned around and put the kids on Ritalin and and Mm. on the same thing. And so for me, being from that and seeing how it literally impacted my family and my community and remembering that and experiencing the impacts of the war on drugs, for me to now have a voice, to now understand the potency of cannabis I made it my mission to tell the story to not only tell the story to but to bring restoration there are so many kids that ended up in the foster care system simply because their parents were put away on a nonviolent cannabis charge on a nonviolent drug charge and I've had many friends in foster care system and foster care system is not always a beautiful journey for a lot of people And so for me, now working in the cannabis industry, every day seeing people come in, pregnant mothers, disabled veterans who were on the street, old school grandmothers, businessmen in suits, everybody was using this plant medicine to heal. And I remember in class, there was a government funded program that would come to my class and disrupt my class to teach me false things about cannabis and the propaganda and the constant teaching of these negative things is what created these stigmas and also seeing how many so many black people were locked up during the war on drugs and it's still happening now 90 percent of those who have been put away look like us right and now i work in the cannabis industry where only one percent of ownership belongs to us We were the originals. And so that's why I became so passionate about it because I saw how it it directly impacted the community. And, but I'm in the community every day now seeing how it's literally transforming lives. There's a woman who has a three-year-old daughter who has these really intense seizures. And the only thing that helps her with these seizures is this cannabis infused strawberry lemonade that we sold at my dispensary. And so I said, 
how can I tell this story in the most creative ways possible? How can I educate my people? Every day I'm seeing white business owners come in selling their products. I'm selling the products. People come in, they're like, oh, the doctor just told me I have cancer. What should I do? Giving them the recipes, the prescriptions. But a lot of these companies were white owned companies. And I'm seeing how much wealth is being created and we're not getting the wealth, but we were the most devastated. We need the medicine directly. We need the resources. How can I tell somebody else that looks like me, my mom, my brother, my friends, my homies about this industry that is making so much money? You don't need a degree. You don't need to know anybody. You don't even need a, a, a resume to be in this industry. And you can step in and tap into the wealth that you deserve. And so that's what kind of got me sparked up with the cannabis and doing my events and fusing it into the music and just wanting to educate people to eliminate the stigmas and being a woman, a black woman. And usually I wear my big Afro. And so when I'm at meetings with CEOs of these cannabis companies and I'm calling them out and I'm holding them accountable and asking them what initiatives they have put into place to bring restoration to the black com community specifically, they're uncomfortable. And that takes a certain level of courage to be speaking on a panel, in a, on an all white panel in a room full of all white people speaking about the war on drugs and, and restorative justice. And I've shared some of this with you before. And so for me, it's like, in order for me to do what I want to do and go as big as I, I want to go, I got to be courageous. And so I had to channel the strength of my mother, the strength of my grandmother, the strength of my great grandmother, who was born in 1907 in Cottonport, Louisiana, who dealt with some of the most unbelievable things you could ever imagine, but lived to be 100 years old. And so for me, it's channeling all of that energy and showing up to bring that restoration and bring that healing back to my community. Damn is all I can <laughs> say to that. Oh my goodness. But I see a theme here uh -huh. of taking back the power, whether you're talking about your feminine energy or whether you're talking about restorative issues for the community and cannabis is a means to an end changing the narrative around cannabis and mm -hmm. really appreciating it for what it is that courage yes it came clearly from grandma clearly from your mom but also from your own experience of seeing what was going on in the community mm -hmm. recognizing mm -hmm. that it needed to change so you've got this label of medicine woman and we understand now why mm. you have it. That's and powerful. Yeah, and how you use it. It's a platform that you have developed. And tell me a little bit more about making people uncomfortable because you said people called you radical at an HBCU when you were in college. And here's the thing. They call Dr. King radical. They call Barbara Jordan radical. They call Shirley Chisholm radical. They call my grandfather, William Holmes Border Sr. radical. We had to get some radical energy up in here to get some things <laughs> changed, okay? Right, Just to I know that's clear. right. So you're in a really rarefied air and in a mm, tremendous wow. club of people wow. Wow. who have left some indelible fingerprints, not just on Ooh. the Black community, but on not just the U.S., but on the world. I'm like, that's, powerful. that's amazing on that's so many levels, but 
medicine woman. Tell me how you wear that moniker when you are with these CEOs. Cause I know usually you the only woman and you the only chocolate drop right. on that panel and you're having <laughs> right. to speak, not just your truth. It's our truth. So how, how do you show up? It's authentic Lizzie Jeff. Do they get it straight? No chaser oh, every it. time. Oh, Cause otherwise what's the point of me being here? I'm not here for entertainment. I'm not here to be your token black person. I'm not here to be your muse. If you want to work with me, if you even get my presence, then we're doing some next level paradigm shifting work. Otherwise, get out of my face. And that's just how I feel about it. Because for me, my intention is to uplift my community and people that look like me and call it whatever you want to call it. But I have been a black woman my whole life in this society. Say what? You know, you feel me? <laughs> and that comes with a very specific experience, especially living in America. Right. And so based off of my experience and the experiences of so many other black women that I've spoken to, and now being in this specific industry, cannabis, and seeing like black women dominate the cannabis industry. They're not going to tell you that. They're not going to show you that. And so I said, look, I'm going to be real with you. We was talking about Snoop and I'm going to be real. And I love Snoop and I've done some stuff with Snoop and he's really cool. I smoked the fattest blunt I've ever smoked with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> he's really that uncle vibe. He really gives you that energy. And I'm going to be real with you. I remember four or five years ago, they uh, he was part of a, what do you call it? A project that was highlighting women in cannabis and it was through Mary Jane, which is his network. Mm. And they, girl, when I tell you, they released this picture of whatever they put in the newspaper of women in cannabis about this new show that's executive produced by Snoop. And when they put this picture out, it might've been 12 women on the image and mostly white and a few Asian. Wow. There may wow. have been a black woman, but I don't remember. It was so long ago, but I remember all the black women in the industry we were messaging each other. What the hell is this? And so many people were commenting and leaving emails and all this stuff. And I realized for me, ever since I was little, I, I never liked how this, how some of this societal standards were set up. It never, I was never impressed. So I've always been that person who I created my own rules. If it didn't exist, I made it. And when I realized, oh, it's like that, Oh, y'all just gonna overlook us? I wanted to tell my own story. So that's when I created Zen and Kush. That's my brand. And I wanted to create a lifestyle brand that was reflective of what was really going on. Sometimes I would get booked to perform at some of these cannabis events. They might be highlighting the farmers or different things. There's different elements of the industry. And when I would go and perform, it's not gonna be like, ooh, shake booty. It's like white people. How are you activating your privilege? How are you, what initiatives are you setting up in your companies as farmers? How many black farmers? All these different things, I would use that platform to question and ask these questions. And of course it made people uncomfortable. And to circle back to what you said about sitting with these CEOs, being in these spaces, I realized when I would walk into these spaces and I've been in the most beautiful rooms and immediately I walk in and everything is, you feel me? And it's, no, I know because it's the <laughs> industry that you were in. And so I know that experience. And so for me, it's, yes, I'm beautiful. Yes, I have style. 
yes, I do music and you love my music, but also let's talk about some real stuff. Right now we are at a cannabis party in Bel Air. Mm. You have a CBD facial station over there. You got a, a, a THC tonic and tea bar over here. You're having a panel all of all white people talking about how cannabis has made them rich. I don't see any black people. It's me and John Sally. Mm. I've been at many events with John Sally because he's vegan and he's in the cannabis industry. So if he's not at a cannabis event, <laughs> he's at a vegan event. So I'm always <laughs> seeing him. I'm like, we don't need black people in here. And so I'll say, excuse me. And I'll ask the question. And it makes them uncomfortable. But a lot of times they're like, we would love to sit with you to see what kind of initiatives we can enact within our company to bring that restoration, to bring that healing. A lot of these CEOs have wasted my time. I'm going to be real with you because mm-hmm. I'll sit down. I'll have this meeting. They don't have a budget. They don't have this. But guess what? Last year when Brianna was killed in her sleep, everybody got a budget now. Everybody right. wants to work. Everybody want to parade black people around. And so for me, it's just <clears throat> being truthful, being honest. I'm kicking doors in immediately. I'm not here to be your friend. And if you call me the angry black woman, that's your perspective. But if you're really here to make change, because at the end of the day, your privilege comes at the expense of black freedom. Your privilege comes at the expense of black lives. And so for you to work in an industry where there's hundreds of thousands of black and brown people locked up, but we in Palm Springs smoking weed at the beach, at the pool, excuse me, and all these white women are talking about how cannabis changed their lives. And there's 500 more people in the audience listening to this. I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to ask these uncomfortable questions because as soon at the same time we're sitting here smoking on this organic strawberry kush, there's somebody in jail right now for life because their third strike was for one gram of cannabis and they haven't seen their children in 10 years. And yeah, you can talk about the wealth that you've established and how you have these CBD beauty products and CBD bath salts and THC this and THC that, but let's really get real because your wealth comes at the expense of black freedom. So what are you doing to give back? Otherwise you shouldn't be in this industry. So there's this like karmic debt that is old. And so for me, I just like to help these companies if they want, if they have a bag and they have intention, I will gladly help you disperse these funds in a community this medicine to those that have been traumatized the most. We need the medicine the most. Sure. Our communities are the most traumatized. Think about, and this is the last thing I'll say to answer for this question, but when you think about Black women in the medical system, we're the most overlooked. They don't even listen to us. Black women are dying at an exponential rate during childbirth. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about the absence of compassion in the medical system. And so for me, a lot of women use cannabis during their pregnancy and have successful pregnancies because of it. And so for me, it's just a matter of bringing that medicine into the communities, to the people that need it most elderly. If I knew about this when my grandmother was in her later years, I don't know what could have happened, but I know that I've seen the impact of cannabis on the elders. I've seen it on what it does for pregnant women. I've seen what it does for people that are depressed who suffer from mental illness. And so it's just all of that is what inspires me and ignites me. And so I don't care who you are. I'm calling you out. 
No, I appreciate the passion. And as I listen to you, I think about the stigmas and the narrative that was created over the last probably two generations, at least the last generation, but over two generations. And I know what we do as humans, this is regardless of race or gender, what we diminish and degrade and dehumanize what we don't understand. So when we don't understand something, we have to push it away because surely we know everything. There's an arrogance about that. Uh So the point that you're making about First of all, understanding the benefit of cannabis, Uh understanding the negative repercussions of the war on drugs, and Mm -hmm. now how that has come full circle and people are making money at the expense of those who went before them. I fully appreciate and understand your perspective, but let's talk about Zen and Kush because Mm -hmm. that's the lifestyle brand that you mentioned earlier, and that's you. That's that's right. the real you, and that's how I first saw you performing. And when I met you in 2019, we were at a an event that Monique uh-huh. Phillips put together in LA. Yeah. WNBA player, shout out to Monique. Yeah, I lift her yeah. up. She's dope. But you were the dopest chick in the room with your flowing <laughs> robes and your bright colors. I remember it, and your wow. colored shades. Oh. I remember thinking. Dang, she got more than swag. It's swag with three exclamation points. Oh, come on now. Come on. It's the truth. How did you come up with Zen and Kush? I understand what you're doing with it, but how'd you come up with that? I know you write your own rules. So let's, how'd you do that? that? (laughs) I love that. Thank you for sharing that when we first met, because you never know who you resonate with energetically and you remember the whole outfit. And I remember seeing you and I was like, oh my God, that's Dijon's mom. (laughs) And it was just so beautiful because he had been wanting us to meet for so long. He was always talking about you. And then I saw you on this panel just being so powerful. And I'm like, oh my God, that's dope. And I'm glad we connected. So thank you for sharing your perspective about that night. That was a really great night. Absolutely. You said you you, you really uh, shared some powerful things. And so- I was feeling very inspired. And uh, as far as Zen and Kush, look, there was a point where I had been working in the industry and I was doing my music and I was also curating events. So ever since I was young, I've always been that hostess. I've always booked hotel rooms and had some friends over and created a vibe. When we go to Miami, I'm booking it all. I'm getting the spot. I'm doing it all. So I've always had this passion for curating uh, events and planning and just making spaces beautiful. Like even here, you see my little lights. And, and oh, wait, let me see if I could turn this. You see my oh, lights. Yes. I, set them up, I set my lights up everywhere I go. I travel with them. I'm all about a vibe. And so with that said, I was like, okay, let me think about this. I work in the cannabis industry. I'm seeing people's lives transform every day. I host these events. I do music too. I'm super connected to the community. I know all these dope rappers and artists because I have been running a a hip hop blog for the past few years. So I've been able to interview some of the most iconic people in our culture. How can I fuse this all together while simultaneously teaching people about cannabis in a beautiful way where it's not just white people all the time 
and also creating a platform for myself to share my music because I'm doing this music thing. Let's do it. So I started thinking, okay, so I want to, I want to do it in the form of an event, a curated event where there's live music, there's art, there's um, medicine women, bud tenders, there's maybe a grower or two people that represent a farm that can teach us about medicine, but it's sexy. There might be an exotic dancer as well. There might be some aphrodisiac tonics and Zen and Kush came through because I was thinking about gin and juice. I was thinking about mm. Snoop. I was thinking about gin and juice. And I like the ring of gin and juice. And somehow Zen and Kush came through. And I love what the lineage of Zen represents and what it means on many different spectrums. And I love Kush. And when you think about Kush, people always think about cannabis or they think about Snoop Dogg. But my personal surveys... When I ask people what comes to mind when you hear Kush, they either say cannabis, weed, or Snoop Dogg. And so I wanted to redefine Kush because when we think of Kush, we think of the great, some of the most powerful kingdoms in Africa, some of the most powerful, the kingdom of Kush. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to infuse that energy so people know it's not just about smoking weed. This is about us. This is about our legacy. This is about our dynasty and where we come from and what we're building. And I was also into yoga. I was also into meditation. I was learning more about how to be Zen and how to be grounded. And so the Zen and Kush, it just worked. It just hit and I loved it. And from there, it just took off. That was in 2016. And then in 2017, I did my first Zen and Kush event. And it was everything I wanted to to be in more. And it's been four years. We just celebrated the four-year anniversary. And it's bigger than an event. It's a community. It's a family. It's a tribe. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's empowerment. Because at the end of the day, I know all these incredible healers, alchemists, artists that are mind-blowing that I'm like, how do I create a platform for not just my music, but for all these incredible people that look like me that I know that do dope stuff? And so it, it was hip hop, but it was a little different. It had a little extra spiritual, sensual splash on it. It was art, but it made you think a little bit deeper about your spirituality and it, and it made you question your belief systems and values. And so I just wanted to infuse all of those things together to literally elevate culture. Because when we think about our mainstream music, our number one channel of communication in the entire world is hip hop. It's hip hop. It's the most listened to form of music in the entire world. Hip hop is raising white kids in the suburbs. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. powerful. And so I said, I want to participate in this industry so that I can have this open line of communication as a woman in hip hop, speaking on cannabis, speaking on sensuality, reclaiming my sensual power and talking about tribe and community in the most beautiful, powerful, uplifting, medicinal ways possible. And so I think about my grandmother and all the times I got sick. She wanted to heal me. She made natural herbs. My mom is always in the kitchen whipping up some type of natural homeopathic holistic healing experience. And so For me, it's like, how do we give people this alternative option where they can still party and have fun? There's no alcohol. I've never, only the first, very first Zen and Kush event, I had a 
herbal wine bar. But after that, I never had alcohol ever again. I don't serve alcohol at my events because I want to show people that they can have these social experiences without alcohol and it'd be dope. And they leave feeling more inspired than they've ever felt in their entire lives. So Zen and Kush is the events. It's the lifestyle. It's a certain, you got to dress like this to even get in Zen and Kush. You got to have your silks on. It's bedroom chic. You got to have your fancy robe. You got to look like a god that just left the ancient land of Kemet. You feel me? Go, right, right. Go, survive. And so that's all I want to portray. And like women can still be on the pole dancing because there's pole dancers at my events, but we're honoring the goddess. It's the feminine. It's not about the male gaze. It's not about male pleasure. It's about women fully embodying womanhood and being in that energy. And so sometimes my events are optional. Sometimes at midnight, we might do a topless yoga experience. And it's not about, ooh, look at those titties. It's about, wow, that's a beautiful woman. It doesn't matter her shape, her size, how full she is, how her age, she's beautiful because she's empowered and she feels confident and she feels sexy. And so it's also a space for women it doesn't matter what you look like to just be free and exist and do art and listen to good jazz music and watch a beautiful woman dance on a pole. <laughs> you talked about interviewing artists. You are not only the artist, the alchemist, the activist, you are all of those things. The fact that you would create a brand where you could fuse all of your passions and all of your strengths is really incredible to me that you had the wherewithal and the mind set and the mind share to mm. do that. That's just really, it's exciting and inspiring as I listen to you, you. talk about it. I am just enwrapped with all that mm. you are teaching us every mm. single day. Tell me this, because I want to, I've learned so much talking to you. I thought I knew a lot about you, but <laughs> you have taught me so much more. Has there ever been a time where you had one perspective and you went through an experience and came out on the other side with a different perspective mm. or a more honed perspective, something You've enlightened me, for example, just talking about cannabis and the old narrative versus the new. So mm. you clearly went through that a long time ago. But was there a time when you had just, and it not, wasn't necessarily provincial, but you just had one point of view and you went through an experience and came out on the other side with an enlightened or evolved or more mature point of view? Wow. That's a great question. I'm really <laughs> good at this. You're really great at this. Let me think. I mean, there, there, it, it could really be so many things but with a more enlightened perspective. I just feel like my whole journey, my whole spiritual journey has been that. There have been aha moments. When I told you I found myself in this space where I was like, okay, I don't really like it here. It's time to evolve. Right. You know, there was a moment where my grandmother, like I said, always would say, watch your mouth, the power of your words, blah, 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 blah. And I put it into practice, but it wasn't really until I was older where I was like, I fully understood that you literally create your reality. You literally create your reality. And so in that, it, it was as simple as writing it down. And so 
when I would write things down and get in that energy, no matter how upset I got about a certain thing, writing it down and repeating it and just being able to transmute the energy, it came into fruition. And so I think that even just a simple understanding of manifesting your reality was something that was really powerful and mind opening for me because I didn't always know that. I didn't always know you create your reality. And there were times where I subscribed to the, oh, I'm broke this week mentality. And it wasn't always like, I'm a broke person because I've always been a hustler and I've always known how to get money. But honestly, I think my biggest thing has been, you don't actually have to work hard for success. Now, don't get my words twisted because hard work is valuable. Sure. A lot of us have worked hard, especially when I think about those that paved the path before us. But I also realize the power of allowing God to support you. The power of just surrendering to God. And I realize I have a whole divine task force (laughs) of support. So when I speak something into existence, I don't necessarily have to go and kick doors in to get it. I've declared it to the universe. And so I've been more so in a space of surrender and allowing the universe, God to activate these miracles for me. And so I would say just really fully coming into the full awareness of you literally manifest your reality And you have all the universal forces conspiring in your favor every day. So definitely be mindful of what you're saying and the energy that you're putting out. Everywhere I go, it doesn't matter what city I'm in. I could be in Atlanta. I could be in LA. I could be in Miami. I could be in Utah. Don't matter. Somebody is like, oh my God, Lizzie, you changed my life. Something you did, something you said, a song. Oh my God, here's some fresh avocados from my avocado farm. Here's some fresh cannabis that I just grew. I'm constantly receiving gifts and love everywhere I go. Even on a day where it might be a really hard day for me and I just step outside, I don't even have to step outside. It might be an email that I get from somebody who met me two years ago at my job on the beach and something I said transformed their life from there on out. And receiving that is very powerful. And I never get used to it because... There was a moment where, dog, you literally put this energy out and it's universal law that is going to be reflected back to you. And that's powerful. And so that's why I'm so intentional with how I move, with how I create things, with even how I do business, even in my music. I'm very intentional with my music. I'm not just saying shit just to say it because it sounds cool. I'm saying it because it's powerful divinations that's flowing through. And so just really fully understanding the power of my words and the power of my intention and knowing that it's not just me doing this, that I'm supported is a very powerful, that was a very powerful moment of awareness and enlightenment for me personally, just knowing all of that. Cause now I move differently. I move differently. I don't worry as, as much. Yes. I still experience tragedy. I still experience these various things, but it's my mindset is understanding the power of keeping your mindset prosperous to navigate through these things, to activate the miracles on the other side of tragedy. Girl, I'm feeling you all day long, the artist, (laughs) 
the alchemist, the activist, <laughs> Lizzie, Jeff, such a privilege and a pleasure to spend some time with you. Will you Thank come you. back and absolutely have some more conversations? Because I just can't get enough. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I have so much respect for you and you and just what I learned about you and your journey and how you've had to show up and the doors that you've opened for so many people. And even just when you have had your moments where you had to like really be strong and be resilient and push through. And I appreciate that because you're so beautiful. You have such a pure heart and Dijon is just a powerful reflection of you. And I love him. He's amazing. And so thank you for being open to doing that very first podcast that you did with him that then brought you to this space because I think you're so powerful and I'm really excited to build with you more and just learn more about you as well. And so thank you so much. I'm so grateful and I'm so honored because you are truly an iconic woman. So thank you. You are so looking Mm -hmm. forward to staying connected, fam. It's a blessing. Yes, thank you. All right, everyone, that was this week's episode of Enlightened. I hope you learned something new and feel inspired to meet any challenge you may be facing in life. If you enjoy the energy we're creating here, subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave a five-star review, share it with a friend, and join the Enlightened community for bonus episodes and deeper discussions at lisaborders.us. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next week.